Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Pursuing Perfect podcast with Mark Kashke. Mark is an experienced business leader, lifelong entrepreneur, and a former mayor. On the show, Mark interviews experts who share strategies and experiences on helping perfectionists overcome obstacles and create the life of their dreams. I am excited to have with us on Pursuing Perfect today, Madeline Clements. She's an executive coach and learning and development professional. Her work in the legal sector brings her into contact with very driven, ambitious, and intelligent people. However, alongside those qualities, she also sees high levels of perfectionism and imposter syndrome which run the risk of derailing careers and aspirations. Her approach is about helping these individuals take control of the development and career, whether that's through formal development opportunities, managing mindsets, or through creating conversations that will support and challenge them. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Now, you know, just tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to your current role. Of course. So I think where this begins is with me being a wildly unimaginative child. And I think at about the age of seven, I said to my parents, I want to be a lawyer. And because that is a nice, straightforward, respectable career, that's a good thing to say. Like, I think there are certain things as a child you can say to your parent, I want to be, and they go, oh, hang on, that's not going to work. If you say, I want to be a lawyer, that's good, that works. And so I don't think I ever questioned it again. I was just, right, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to keep working for this. Went to university, studying for my law degree. Loved it fascinating second year of a three-year degree I thought oh I love studying law I will be a really bad lawyer Uh, there's just something absolutely fascinating in the mindset of people who study law and how clever they are and the way they can connect information and the attention to detail and I thought I just don't have that I don't have that in me at all and so I finished the degree it's very interesting And I fell into human resources. I was really lucky with the way that things worked out. And I ended up working in a local hospital in our National Health Service here in England. And then I went to work for a retailer. And when I decided the time was right to leave a retailer, I went to a recruitment agency and they said, great, you've got a law degree. We'll put you in a law firm. Oh, okay, fine. And I didn't really understand what I would be getting myself into. I was really scared about it, to be honest, because I felt like such a failure having 
studied for a law degree but not actually done anything with it and it turned out to be the best move I ever could have made for my career because since that time and I've been working with lawyers and other people who work with lawyers now for about seven years I have been working with these fascinatingly intelligent individuals these people who know the rules of the world and know how to put things together and come across as remarkably self-assured and so confident in what they're doing and I came in initially I was thinking oh, I'm really not quite sure what I'm going to be able to offer here like how can I help these people and what I realized very quickly was that these wonderful people were exactly the same as so many of us out there. They had this imposter syndrome, which just ran through this drive to be perfect all the time. This pressure that they put on themselves to go, I should be able to do this. I should pick this up as quickly as I possibly can. I should be able to navigate through the world with ease. And then what that could start to lead to for some of them was this, this procrastination sometimes, this fear of leaning into conversations which would feel a bit difficult, this concern about stepping out of their comfort zone and learning a new skill which would be challenging and difficult and they might not get it right immediately. And what I found was I recognized so much of myself in them and I found the conversation so rewarding and so challenging an intelligent person can always find an intelligent reason not to do something so working with them and helping them to move through that whole cycle to say I'm here right now where do I want to be was just absolutely the most rewarding work I could have imagined and so I kept doing the learning and development stuff helping people develop the skills and create the conversations they needed and then in time, I qualified as a coach. I began adding that in and working with these super high achieving people in this really targeted and structured way. And I've just found it absolutely fascinating. So that's about 10 years of learning and development, about seven years of working with lawyers in particular. And it's just been brilliant. So much fun. Now, what do you think uh, with high achievers or sharp lawyers, what brings about that perfection? And more importantly, why do they think they're an imposter? I think they're very closely linked together. I think when you look at perfectionism, a lot of the times when I'm coaching people or when I'm working with them in a different capacity, I do see this thread of imposter syndrome running through it. What I see when I work with very bright people is that most of the time they have been known as very bright their entire lives. They were the smart kid in school. They got A's and maybe they didn't have to work that hard at it. They understood how relationships with people worked. And that's not to say their lives were easy. It's not to say that they were privileged, but they didn't have that element of, you know, not understanding the structures of the world that they were working in. And so when those individuals, and I absolutely include myself in this, come into the real world and you're suddenly having to work 
and deal with people who are wildly different to you and suddenly everything is very strange and very different and particularly with lawyers where you're dealing with such a codified world you know there is a precedent for everything there is a structure that can be followed there are gritty tough problems to unpick you can mine all of that very steep learning curve with the strange environment that they're in overlay that against the backdrop of but I should be able to get this. I should understand this because I always get things. And then that suddenly combines to this awful situation of going, I've just lucked out. I'm here, but I'm a fraud. And I've got to keep working. I've got to push myself as hard as I can. I can never not be perfect. I can never reveal that I might be struggling a little bit because then it would all come crumbling down around me. And then if people don't talk about that, it just creates this situation where suddenly all of us go, well, I'm the only one who's struggling. I'm the only one with any sense of imposter syndrome. I'm the only one who's this worried about being perfect all the time, whatever my coping mechanisms might be for that perfectionism. And if I talk to anyone about this, they will all know I'm a fraud. So I've just got to keep working as hard, as hard, as hard as I can. And make sure I never reveal any chinks in my armour. Make sure I never slip up. And if I do, well, I really need to carry that mistake with me to make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, for me, I didn't realize perfection was a problem till later in life. For somebody earlier in their career, how do you notice the symptoms of either that or imposter syndrome? So for the perfectionism, I think procrastination is such a good thing to look out for. I mean, all of us will procrastinate. I'm always interested in why we procrastinate. Is it because something is just really, really boring and we absolutely just can't be bothered to do it? Fine, that's a different problem. Is it that you are procrastinating on something because you are afraid of it in some form. I don't know exactly what the outcome should be here. I don't know exactly how I'm going to approach it. There are some unknowns in here. So actually, if I just hang back on this a while, maybe everything will become clear to me. So I think that kind of procrastination is a really powerful indicator. I think the way that people approach constructive criticism is also a really valuable indicator. We all know we should be really, really good at taking constructive criticism, right? Because it helps us grow. I mean, I work in learning and development. If anyone comes to any training session I ever run, chances are I'm going to begin evangelizing about feedback at some point. It doesn't take much. I hate receiving constructive criticism. I'm such a perfectionist. I know the moment I hear that oh, but this is what you could have done better. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I ruined the entire session. That person took no value from it. They're probably never going to sign up to anything again. That is a completely disproportionate reaction. And I think people who are perfectionists can really struggle sometimes to find that divide and say, that criticism stung, but I know it's useful and I'm going to move on, versus it's a month later This feedback has had absolutely no bearing on my future or the ways that I'm currently working because it didn't need to. And I'm still holding it and just 
cherishing that to myself. That to me is a very strong sign of perfectionism. I think whenever you can look at that and go, I am not balancing my time as well as I need to be. I am spending a disproportionate amount of time worrying about something that I have yet to do or worrying about something that happened in the past and I have absolutely no control over. Those to me are very strong signs that you have that perfectionist trait, particularly when you're young on in your career. I think the other elements of it when you're bringing in that imposter syndrome is that perfectionism can be really hard to spot and to appreciate that it's derailing you because it's such a nice protective mechanism for imposter syndrome. If everything is perfect, they will never find out that I shouldn't be here and that I've just lucked out. And so I think sometimes people can almost cherish that perfectionism and talk about it as a positive trait. You know, like we all know these people who say, oh, you're a bit of a perfectionist and they go, you know what, I am. I'm all over it. And there's this real sense of pride in it. And I think it's about that self-analysis to say, is this perfectionism me holding myself to a high standard, but understanding that I'm not always going to be able to achieve that because I am human and sometimes I'm going to need to cut myself a break versus I have got to be perfect because the alternative is simply not worth considering. And when so much of your self-worth becomes tied up in the work that you're doing and being perfect and receiving that external validation for being perfect, that becomes a very tricky situation to be in. How do you, I would agree, very difficult to overcome. What are the first steps people can take to start trying to overcome that? Well, answers on a postcard. I feel like I'm still trying to work that one out myself. I think one of the first things I would advise anyone to do is to understand what type of imposter you might be if you feel like your perfectionism is related to imposter. Um, Valerie Young has done some brilliant work on this with five categories of imposter that you can be. And understanding that can give you some very helpful guidance around unpicking some of that so I know for example I am a perfectionist imposter I'm very clear in my twisted little mind narrative that if I'm not perfect everything will fall apart I work with people who are soloists I have to do everything myself and it is absolute weakness to ask for help I must be perfect on my own otherwise they will know that I'm wrong I'm married to someone who is a natural genius imposter. I think he loved when I told him that was where his categorization was. This belief that I should be able to work things out on my own. I should be able to pick them up very quickly. Otherwise, I don't fit in. So anyone who feels their perfectionism is related to imposter syndrome, I'd really recommend delving a little bit deeper because I think to very broadly categorize it is probably not that helpful. When it comes to the perfectionism and starting to overcome it, I found it hugely helpful to set myself time limits. Only so long I can work on this and then I've simply got to send it out. And if that means I send it out going, if I had more time, I would also have looked at X, Y and Z. But I haven't. And I'm really sorry. Fine. At least I've got it out there and it's gone. But also to talk about it, I think, 
so often we we assume that we're the only people who are experiencing these inner battles and we're not I can't think of a single person I've spoken to whether it's about imposter syndrome or perfectionism where I've listened to them and gone gosh that's new I've literally never heard anyone else say that because they're such prevalent themes and they're such common experiences and it makes me really sad to think that so many people are living that on their own so I think if you can understand yourself a little bit better, if you can find coping mechanisms like setting yourself a set period of time that you do something and then you have to draw a line under it, and then if you can vocalise that experience and talk about it with other people, I think that all starts building you a nice solid base to think about what comes next for you with your development. Now, we'll pivot back to you now. Going back to your law school days, is there any piece of advice you wish you could give yourself that would have made all the difference? I would have told myself to get out of my own head. The amount of times I sat there in seminars or lectures thinking, I think I have the answer or I have a question, like, well, I can't ask that because everyone will think I'm really stupid then. And that might be wrong. That might not be the right answer. I have wasted, oh my gosh, so much intuition fees alone because I didn't utilize that experience properly and really engage in it. But also I think that would have led to a very helpful situation for me whereby voicing my opinion freely, by putting myself out there, I would have failed. And I needed that. I needed to fail. I needed to do it openly. I needed to do it quickly. And I needed to understand that the world would not end around me if a classroom full of students thought, God, that's a bit of a stupid question. What does that matter? In the slightest, I taught to virtually no one from university. It would have made absolutely no impact on my life at all. So what I would really love if I had a time machine is to go back there and say it does not matter what anyone here thinks of you you need to get out of your own head and you need to go and ask the stupid questions but actually probably not a stupid question you need to put your own opinion out there even if it's wrong you need to push yourself to do something really different because then you will learn that the world does not end and that would have saved me so much heartbreak down the line. Sorry, heartbreak is very dramatic. Would have saved me a lot of grief down the line of going, oh, my God, what am I even doing with myself? Now, what challenges are you facing today, whether personally or professionally? Definitely still the imposter syndrome. Um I still will sit there in a meeting now and, you know, I lead a team, I manage a function of training for one of the world's biggest law firms. And I will still sit there and go, that's a stupid question. Is that all right to say? And that's a constant battering down of my own internal monologue to go, am I being quiet because I'm an introvert and I'm considering and I'm reflecting and I'm deciding where I want to go with this? Or am I being quiet because I'm being a chicken? and just refusing to push myself as much as I need to. So that is a constant weighing up that I have going on for myself personally to work out where I need to get to. I'm getting better 
at dealing with the failure. Still not great at it. I still don't love it. And I will absolutely be there. And if anyone I work with ever hears this, they will know I'm a massive hypocrite because I'm right there in training. It doesn't matter if you fail. It's fine. Just get it over with. And I know that logically, emotionally, that's something that still knots up my stomach. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Professionally, I'm really lucky in that people are kind enough to invite me into their professional worlds when they are vulnerable about something, when they are seeking advice. And that is a huge privilege to be invited in. I think when, whenever anyone in any capacity says, look, can I talk to you about this because I'm really struggling with it? That's, I think, just so immensely flattering and so kind that someone has chosen to be that on, open and honest with you. So I think the professional challenges that I have are not really my own. They're other people's. And I see them getting so tangled up in the shoulds. I should be doing this. I should be better at this. I should be working harder. I shouldn't be struggling with this. That so much of the challenge I have is about helping people to unpick that and to understand what they want to be doing and what they are capable of doing rather than these own well, this list of challenges and this list of requirements they've placed upon themselves, sometimes without ever really understanding where those have come from. Now, if people wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch? Really boringly, the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's the only place I'm on at the moment. Um, but I will be starting up a podcast with a colleague of mine uh, next year. And we will be talking all things learning and development, bringing all of our experience that we've had um, to bear on that. So really boringly, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I'll be able to let everyone know when that's being launched and pushed out there. So there's so many great podcasts out there. We thought, why not add our own voice to it? Well, thank you so much for your time. And in particular, you know, helping people realize that perfection and imposter syndrome are more common than we think. They absolutely are. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.